Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at the letter written by Paul the Apostle to the church in Philippi, which was a major city in Macedonia or northern Greece in our day. Philippi was known as the gateway to Europe as well as a mini Rome. We know Paul started this church on his second missionary journey when he got the vision to go to Macedonia. This is found in Acts chapter 16 verse 15. Lydia and her household were the first converts that we know of. This was possibly the first church on European soil. He may have also visited the church on his third missionary journey, but Acts chapter 20 verses 1 through 3 only say Macedonia. We know that Paul had received support from them at least twice. The first was when he was in Thessalonica, Philippians 4:16 and verse 18. And the second was in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, we learn that Epaphroditus brought the support to Paul. He got sick, and now Paul is sending him back, probably with this letter. Most people think that Paul wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Paul speaks of his imprisonment and the imperial guard. Then in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, Paul spoke again of his imprisonment. And then in Philippians 4, verse 22, Paul said, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. As discussed with Ephesians, historians know that Rome was burned in AD 64, so it was before that, which puts it around AD 61-62. Paul's prison epistles include Philippians, and then Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon were all three sent at the same time. This is a thank you letter to the church which has the word rejoice or joy mentioned 16 times. Paul doesn't just write a thank you letter. He adds some beautiful prayers and theology and ethics as well. The theme of this letter is the all-sufficiency of Christ. Jesus Christ, or a form of his name, is mentioned 51 times in the 104 verses in this letter. The letter starts, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Here we see that Paul is not alone. But even more importantly, unlike his other letters, he does not defend himself, nor does he have to prove he is an apostle. And this is because he's writing to friends. He calls the believers saints. Then he also included the overseers and the elders and deacons. Paul said his usual grace and peace greeting, and Matthew Henry said in his commentary, There is no peace without grace. There is no grace and peace but from God the Father, and there is no grace and peace from God the Father but in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul also gave thanks to God for every remembrance of them, and he constantly prayed for them with joy, because of their partnership in the gospel. 
Then we have one of my favorite verses, chapter 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In 2002, I learned from Beth Moore, this does not say until we die, his work in us continues long after we die. Paul continued about how he loves and misses them, and then he prays for them in the letter. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1. One of the things I love about Paul writing his prayers is that we can also pray them for family and friends, especially when we don't know what to pray. And I don't know about you, but I still need to grow in love, knowledge, and discernment so that I can determine what really matters in life. Then Paul said that even though he's imprisoned, what really matters is that the gospel of Christ is being proclaimed and believers are becoming more confident to speak the message fearlessly. Verses 12 and 13. In verses 15 through 17, we see that some preach Christ for selfish reasons, but Paul said at least Christ is proclaimed. In verses 20 through 26, Paul shared he did not know if he would die or live, but either way that Christ would be honored in his body. He said in verse 21, For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Also in this section, Paul said his desire was to depart and be with Christ. Yet if he lives, it's better for them. This helps to confirm the belief that when believers die, we enjoy Christ's presence. We are not in some holding cell until Christ returns. Verse 27 reads, Just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He encouraged them to stand firm in the faith with one mind, working side by side for the faith. He said opponents will come, but as the church suffers, they have the same suffering that Paul had and still has at the time of the letter. Chapter 2 begins, therefore, tying in from chapter 1, if we have encouragement in Christ and consolation of love and fellowship with the Spirit and love and mercy, then fulfill my joy by being like-minded Unity, not uniformity. The same love. Be joined in your soul. Focused on one goal. They are to do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than themselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Verses 1 through 4. In verses 8 through 11, Paul tells believers that their attitude should be like Christ Jesus. Then Paul spoke of how Jesus took on the likeness of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and even was willing to die on the cross, which made him accursed of God. Every Easter, I think of what Jesus went through and I always say, Oh Lord, I'm nothing like you. How could you do that? 
He did it because he loves us. Now that Jesus was faithful, God exalted him. His name is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, every knee and every tongue. Paul continued in verses 12 and 13 that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary that we are to work out our own salvations, not other people's. We have enough to do to take care of ourselves. Then Paul said that it is God who is working in us, both to will and to act for his good purpose. Again, scripture is abundantly clear. If we claim to be a Christian, we are not to live our lives any way we want. We are called to serve the Lord. Ladies, I confess to you that I already had to confess my sin of these next verses just this evening preparing for this lesson. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Christians are to be a shining light in a dark world. We are to be different from the world because we have Christ in our lives. Paul then said in verses 16 through 18 to hold firm the message of life because when we do that, Paul knows that he did not labor in vain. He could die with joy because of their faith. In verses 19 through 30, Paul praised Timothy and said that he plans on sending him there soon, and Paul also hoped to come quickly. But now Paul is sending Epaphroditus. As was said in the introduction, Epaphroditus brought the gift to Paul, but on his way he became sick and close to death. But God had mercy on him. And then verse 27, Paul adds that the mercy was not just to Epaphroditus, but to Paul himself, so that he would not have sorrow upon sorrow. I like that because it reminds us that even Paul the apostle mourned and had sorrow, so it is okay when we do too. Chapter 3 begins with, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Then he said, For him to write the same things again is not trouble for Paul, and it is a safeguard for you. So it seems as if Paul had already sent them a previous letter and it could have been sent after their first gift, which was given to Paul in Thessalonica. But as with the Corinthian letters, we do not have a copy of that letter. He tells them to beware of false leaders who say they need circumcision because our confidence is not in the flesh, but it's in Jesus Christ. Here in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3, we get a list of Paul's credentials. My New American Standard Bible said, Paul had impressive credentials, upbringing, nationality, family background, inheritance, orthodoxy, activity, and morality, but this doesn't earn salvation. Then in verse 7, Paul said, But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Paul then said, I gave up all that stuff so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, 
but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith, verses 8 and 9. Then Paul tells us his goal, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Ladies, the power of the resurrection comes with the fellowship of his sufferings. Then it continues, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Verses 10 through 12. Do you see God's sovereignty? Christ laid hold of the believers. Yet, we also see human responsibility that I, Paul said, may lay hold of it. They work together. Paul chose to not look backward, but to look forward to attain the prize from God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. This is a picture image of a runner running a race. They don't look back at other runners, but their eyes are always looking forward to the finish line. Paul reminded the church that there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, but our citizenship is in heaven with our Savior. Our earthly bodies will be transformed into a glorious body that only God can do. And because of that, stand firm in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4 talk of two sisters who are co-workers with Paul who are now in disagreement and Paul is asking them to agree. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Verse 5 reads, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Ladies, when we understand that the Lord is near and he is sovereign over all things, we can be calm and gentle. Now, usually I have to remind myself of those things, but the Lord is near. And because of that, we do not have to worry, but instead we are to pray and ask with thanksgiving. When we do that, we can experience the peace of God, which surpasses every thought and his peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul then tells us what we should focus our mind on, things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral excellence, and praise. The letter ends with verses 10 through 23 with closing words about their offering and how Paul has learned to be content with a little or a lot. And the secret of that contentment is that Paul is able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he said. He is thankful they shared their gift with him in his hardship. Then in verse 19, Paul writes, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Homer A. Kent Jr. said, Paul now reminds his benefactors that his God will do what he himself is in no position to do, namely to reimburse his benefactors. Paul praised the Lord in verse 20, greeted the saints in verses 21 and 22, and then verse 23 ends the letter, 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the same ending as in Philemon verse 25, and it is like Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Today, I want to end with a prayer that I wrote out when I was in my 20s, I think. It was stuffed in one of my Bibles. It says, Father, haunt us with thy presence till we can't live our lives of mediocrity and sin any longer. Make us to desire lives of holiness, no matter the cost, so that people can know that you are alive and work in people's lives today. Help us to obtain that for which your son died for us, for your glory. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Today, if you heard his voice, ladies, please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who pray, ask with thanksgiving, and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.